The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Cat Show. It's great to have you back. And this week, we have a very exciting speaker, the fabulous JJ Geronimo, D. Geronimo, as she told me. (laughs) JJ is a fantastic keynote speaker, a technology executive, an author, and also a a STEM advocate. And we're going to get into what that all means. But JJ is really one of those women that is helping other women um, uh, understand uh, what they can do with their careers and uh, the role that we all play um, in technology as there's a lot of um, fire and chatter and um, discussions in the last year about the role that women have um, in Silicon Valley, in corporations, in the C-suite. And so JJ is really sitting at the in the thick of it and um, she'll share some insights about that as well as uh, stories from her books. So let's have a fabulous tech cat hand for the fabulous JJ. Welcome, JJ. Thank you, Lori. I'm excited to be here. Well, I um, I love um, women that um, talk about tech because that's what I've done most of my life. So I'd love to hear your background and how you uh, you know became who you are and, and what you talk about. Can you give us a little background on your um, your career? Sure, sure. So I was definitely not the girl in high school that was geeking out on Dungeons and Dragons or loving my computer programming class. Uh, I actually uh, came from a pretty modest household, and I worked so many jobs before I even had the opportunity to go to college. Uh, And when I got to college, I said, you know, which of these degrees that you offer actually uh, make more than $30,000? And most of the people get hired after graduation. And the college advisor was like, well, all of them. I'm like, all of them, really? And he's like, well, not really. Really, the high, you know, there's only about five degrees and computer science was one of them. And so after making minimum wage for five years and realizing you can't really do much on minimum wage, if I was going to invest in my own college, I definitely wanted to come out of the other side, making sure I had a real job. And that sort of is what propelled me into the world of tech. Oh, and in terms of, um, representing women in the world of tech. How did that come about? I think out of my own personal need. I had been in tech most of my 20s. You know, I I had some fantastic mentors, sponsors. Most of them were men. Uh, And then in my 30s, when I started to say yes to some other things in my personal life, like, yes, I'll marry you, and yes, I'll have (laughs) kids, (laughs) it made my, you know, 17-hour days a little less manageable. Uh, and I realized I needed more of a support system than I ever really did prior to that point. And I think just reaching out to women that were a little bit ahead of me in their field and also in their 
trajectory was was helpful because I, I was really trying to figure out how to keep it all going because there were many days and nights where I was like, am I crazy for trying to run a global team and travel every week and have two infants at home? I, I just really, I, I really felt like I missed the cliff notes. Yeah, it's funny. It is, you know, women are definitely... Um and this isn't bashing men, but we definitely have this expectation that we are going to be able to do it all. And it is almost impossible to do it all. So I don't know why we ever bought into that idea, you know, of, of having a big job and also being the, the sort of main parent in, in a certain respect. Even if you have help in the house, um, you know, I still find that I'm making most of the decisions around my children. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's so many women, right, that are their single parents or their their spouse may stay home or they may work or, you know, you never know. That situation is so different for everybody. But what I know for sure is that if we're going to excel at work and at home, we absolutely need help. There's no way you can be cleaning toilets Saturday in your house, grocery shopping Wednesday night, and you know, sending out an international proposal Thursday morning. I mean, you really need to give yourself permission to make the main things the main things and get help in other areas of your life so that you can help propel forward in the direction you desire. And are you, in terms of your role now as a consultant, are you going into large corporations and helping their female executives? Like, how does the work that you're doing manifest? Because it has been an extremely, at least 2015, was an extremely powerful year for a more public dialogue about women in tech and women in the C-suite. So how does your sort of world manifest to support these initiatives? Yeah, that's a great question. So in 2008, I started Tech Savvy Women, and that was really my desire to get women in tech with experience together to sort of talk about everything that makes up our world. Uh, from that, I wrote my first book in 2010, The Working Woman's GPS. And that really catapulted me into a space of talking to women's groups uh, and women initiatives inside of companies with a niche on women in tech and related STEM fields. Through that discussion you know, that has happened over the last eight years, I realized that gosh, I can get these women all excited. I can get them really, really focused on making an impact in their professional world and also in their personal world. But what I quickly learned probably around 2014 is, you know, a lot of these women would leave our sessions or leave our conferences and go back into the same cultures. And if you really want to help women in the workplace, it has to be the yin and yang. You have to make sure women are prepared and ready to deliver at the level they want to prepare, want to deliver at while you're working with executives, most of which are men, on receiving that diverse thought and that new way of doing things or an integrated approach to what they're used to. And you really have to have both sides of the equations to start to see more women proliferate in other levels of the org chart. You know, that's a tremendously good point. We had on the, the show a couple of months ago a woman named Shelly Zalis who's running um, girls the Girls' Lounge. Have you heard about the Girls' Lounge? Yes. <clears throat> well, in the Girls' Lounge, her whole philosophy is, you know, it's not about just hiring women to hire women, but you want women in your C-suite because genetically women bring something different than men. 
Um, and so one of her sort of roles in the world now that this has kind of exploded on her is to get into the C-suites, which may be male-dominated, but to open their minds up to to that concept. And there has been so much chatter about it. Do you feel like it's getting easier to have that dialogue now? Oh, definitely. And I think people that are doing it well, in fact, I'm just finishing an article for Smart Business right now where I'm highlighting uh, an executive leader at Intel. And uh, there's a particular gentleman there in the engineering department uh, that basically is talking about the benefits, the business benefits that he has received by investing in diverse talent. And in his case, it's women. So not only um, have they seen uh, great advancement, but they've seen excellent retention and bottom line business impact. And he put together an entire strategy to do this. Uh, and it's something that I'm highlighting in an uh, upcoming article. And I think that it's it takes executive men to prioritize diverse talent and not just to check the box, but because you're striving for diverse thought, which is a catalyst for engaging your current employees, better interacting with your customers and fostering new innovation. And do you think, um, you know, you're, you're writing for smart business, you've published a couple of books. I mean, do, do you think there's a lot of pressure on women to, you know, get out there and share share the uh, sort of the the microphone. You know, if if that's the right way to say this, um, to express their value in the marketplace. Well, I definitely think women could. You know, the next book that I'm uh, that's right now in the publishing engine is really talking about how do you package yourself for your next endeavor. Uh, I come across a lot of fantastic women that do really great work in the job that they're in today, but. Unfortunately, and this is the case for many entrepreneurs, they're so busy working in their career, they're not often working on their career. And it really is strategies to package and position yourself based on not only where you are, but where you want to uh, create more influence and impact in the next 12 to 24 months. And women, you know, there's so much research out there that women don't do a very good job at highlighting their successes and sharing their value. And so it really is focused on um, creating confidence and momentum so that women can position themselves uh, for these next positions. Those are really good points. It's so funny when you were saying, uh, talking about this, I was just thinking um, how I'm always, as a consultant, you're always looking a few months ahead to make sure, you know, there's business bubbling. And so it is absolutely true that I don't often think about how I'm going to take that great quote I just got from a client and put it up on my site or tweet about it or, you know, put all these pieces together that continue to, to spread the glorious word. <laughs> because even in, at home, I'm always, I'm the last one to make the doctor appointments for myself because I'm dealing with my husband and my child. And I, again, I don't mean to moderate, moder myself. Um, but I think, you know, we do get into this habit of, of serving the situation rather than ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as women. Well, anyway, when we come back, I would love to talk to you also about all the work that you're doing um, in STEM, which I think is a really fascinating conversation because the other, um, the other big uh, dialogue last year was how are we going to get, you know, kids more involved in technology and especially little girls and how are we going to change the phenomena of, you know, women literally 
tactically the number of women in tech and keep them there. Um, and maybe hit into some of the, um, the topics that you often write about. Um, I mean, I'm so impressed with the amount of writing that you're doing. Um, are, are you writing an article every week? Uh, I write, yes. So I do, we do blog on techsavvywomen.net. And then I do write articles for uh, Smart Business. And also I oftentimes merge different ideas and thoughts into LinkedIn posts. So, but I, you know, like anything else, I think you have to identify your strong suits and then bring in resources to help you make the momentum you want to make. Ooh, that's a great uh, a great statement to go out on our, our break. And when we come back, more with J.J. DiGeronimo and uh, diving into STEAM and how we're going to get more women in technology from the get-go. And we'll be back in a minute with the Tech Cat and J.J. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to Lori at TechCat.tv. That's Lori at TechCat.tv. Welcome back, everybody, to the Tech Cat Show. And we're here with the fabulous JJ DiGeronimo, who is a technology executive and a keynote speaker and really addressing women in business and in technology and has written a number of books. And one of the um, things that JJ really talks a lot about is is STEM and uh, how to get uh you know, kids involved in technology and, and girls involved in technology at an early age so that we literally change the face of our, our workforce. So maybe you can explain to everybody, you know, what STEM is, because I know there's some negative association with it as well that's come about from education as it's closely aligned to education. But I'd love to hear sort of your take on it. So STEM, you know, we generally associate STEM with young girls or men, uh, is really pursuing programs and certifications and degrees in science, technology, engineering, and math. And recently, there's been much discussion about art because art is such a big component of so many things that we do in these areas. And so you'll hear STEM and STEAM. But the idea is, is you're building a skilled workforce that can meet the demands of the open positions, not only now, but the projected positions in the next decade. 
And how is it manifesting in, in this country? Because I know that there are a lot of government funded programs and I've spoken to some clients who are, uh, you know, in the toy business and things like that. And unfortunately I feel like it's been siloed into this education ghetto where it's, it's much more than that. So I'd love your, your, your thoughts on that, what you're seeing. Well, you know, like you, you know, you see so many different organizations, initiatives, both at the, you know, the student level, the educator level, the community level, uh, and then what is happening at, you know, second and third um, um, degrees and education system. So there's definitely a push, and I think it really comes from what's happening in the marketplace. Uh, skilled em- employees are needed in almost every community, and many of them are geared towards technically or engineering crafted positions. And I think that so many communities from an economic development standpoint are really seeing a need to get started early. And so you're starting to see things in third grade and fifth grade and seventh grade, both in and outside of the schools. And I think those types of demands uh, and the active, in many situations, we have active parents and educators that are putting pressure on product companies to create relevant products to continue the education beyond the classroom. You know, it's it's interesting too. Um, a lot of my uh, friends that have little girls, and I have a six year old, and uh, the the big controversy in the last couple of months has been the lack of uh, Ray dolls. Have you um, heard a lot about that? That chatter. I have not. My daughter's nine. I have not heard of that. So they they uh, the manufacturers did not make a lot of the Ray dolls. And Ray, of course, if you haven't watched um, the new Star Wars, uh, most of the people that I know in my little geeky tech world have watched it like 10 or 12 times already. But Ray is the female heroine in the story. She's the one that um, actually ends up having... Um, you know, the force, the good, you know, the, the, the good side of the force pumping through her and sort of discovers her skills um, and ends up being quite the hero, the, the heroine of, of the movie. But for some reason, um, and I don't know if it's Mattel, so I don't want to quote the, the wrong toy company, but Disney did not uh, basically light up a lot of Ray dolls because they thought little boys and boys are not going to want to play with a female hero. Um, and the reality is that um, all these little girls I know are dying for Ray dolls, and the boys are too, because she transcended gender in the movie. So it's just really interesting um, that there's this outcry for, for Ray dolls, you know, and, and females who are heroes, basically. Yeah, what I would want to know is who was sitting at that table that made that decision. Yeah, it's really interesting, right? And um, I, I, I'll share with you, um, you know, uh, offline at some point, some of the chatter that's been going on about it, um, you know, because I have colleagues that are in the toy business too, and so they pumped in with, like, how the decisions come down. But I often find it difficult to find the one female character on that cartoon show for my kid as well. Like, she loved, uh, uh, what do you call them, Paw Patrol? And mm-hmm. there's like one female character in Paw Patrol. It's like a pink dog. And she loves that pink dog. But whenever we went to any toy store, there there was very few products around that pink dog. And so I find that that's the case. Um, do you think that that will change as, again, women become a bigger force, you know, in, in sort of the more uh, public industries? 
You know, I think it depends who's sitting at the table. I really do. I think, you know, whether we're talking about children's toys or solutions for the household or even cars, you know, I'm still waiting for a car where somewhere I could put my purse. Uh, I think when you have diverse thought at the table, you come up with better products that meet the marketplace demand. And I think sometimes that, you know, you're starting to see some of the negative effects of having homogeneous thought. Uh, because if if you have more parents and moms at the table, I, I think that some of these things will change. And so I think there's a direct effect of having more um, diverse decision makers, both in the products, whether it's children's products or adults' products, and how that's going to trickle down into the marketplace. Now, on the um, on the side of technology, just switching gears for a minute, because you're you're in Silicon Valley and you're dealing with a lot of technology companies. Are there any trends that you see? bubbling up right now that you're especially excited about that you think will impact a lot of the work you're doing? Well, I've been doing, I've worked on cloud before I did this full time. And I have to say that cloud, internet of things, big data, all of these big initiatives are really, really sticky and um, multi-layered solutions that really require a lot of change management across organizations, quite a bit of problem solving. It's, we're really evolving from solutions being a box or a series of boxes to an entire platform or solution. And I think that women are so skilled uh, at solving problems and collaborating across groups of people. And um, based on where the direction of technology is going, I think that we need a lot more collaborators and uh, people that want to bring things together uh, in new ways. And I think it creates a ton of opportunity uh, to really benefit from what men and women bring to the table. Yeah, I mean, my favorite thing um, that's come out in the last uh, six months that I brought into the home was the Alexa. And we've talked about it on the show a few times. But um, are you playing at all with with, um, the Amazon Echo and Alexa? Do you have that stuff at home? No, but I have many friends that do. What do you think about that? Like, do you think we're heading towards a Skynet world? Um, I mean, I I think your points about... um, organizational change are, are really important because it is this is a sea change we're talking about but do you think we're heading into a, a skynetty type world I th- I mean I don't I, I definitely know we're heading towards change and I definitely think that with all the chatter that's happened just over the last year is definitely foreshadowing uh, something monumental. I don't necessarily, it's going to be one product or one solution, but I think the conversations and the solutions available will all work in orchestration to really break open how we perceive and how we move to, how we currently go to market. And and in terms of other uh, technology trends, uh, cloud-based solutions, is there anything else that's bubbling up from you that a lot of the companies you're working with are are continuously, you know, inquiring about? Well, I mean, SaaS is always, you know, SaaS across the board is like getting rid of your IT assets, having it work elsewhere, integrating data, protecting data, security uh, is going to continue to evolve. And I think that there's so many really, really interesting jobs that we don't even know about yet. And I think this is what's so exciting for the kids that are coming up. It's not just about programming. It's not just about building a box or making something work. It's really about integrating all these pieces and parts uh, based on 
based on legacy systems and also next generation systems and how do you make that all work together and you know Harvey Mudd has done a really good job of engaging more women in these programs by just changing some of the names of their uh, courses mm. that that excite and engage women it's so interesting i had a call yesterday with Lindsay Cook from US Data or US News Re- and World Report, and we were talking about how women, they don't want to just work on a project. They want to understand how that project's going to impact the world. And I think with some of the new transformations in, in data and also technology, there's a lot of benefit to connect not only the project to the company, but the project to the world. And I think as we continue to connect those dots, we're going to get more people interested in making bigger impacts with the work that they do each day. Oh, that is a really good really good points because there is this um, cultural layer to this, right? To get people, anybody excited about things, you do have to think about the branding of it, which I never really thought about in terms of, um, you know, building out um, expertise. Um, And when you were in, Mm -hmm. are you still based in Silicon Valley now? So I've worked in Silicon Valley pretty much the last 10 years, but I've always commuted in. So uh, right now I am based in Ohio. Oh, no kidding. Okay. So I, I, I'd love to talk to you when we come back about just the, uh, the culture in Silicon Valley as it relates to women, which has also been a big topic in the last year, um, and, and what your thoughts are about that, um, especially just around – I just remember so many times going to events where I was one of two females and nobody would talk to me. Now, I'm, I'm not taking it personally. Maybe I do give off a bad <laughs> – vibe or something but i would just love to hear your you know sort of uh well-experienced um uh perspective on on changing the silicon valley Mm -hmm. approach to women and when we come back more with jj geronimo um who is an author and uh, an advocate of women in technology and business and has her hands on a lot of interesting ideas and uh, things about uh making the world a better place for for all of us so we'll be back with jj on the tech cat show Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to Lori at TechCat.tv. That's Lori at TechCat.tv. 
And we're back on the Tech Cat Show with the fabulous J.J. DiGeronimo. And we were just talking about Silicon Valley and what, what it's like for women to navigate. And there's been, you know, a lot of, I would say, kind of negative press about uh, navigating Silicon Valley for women. Uh, J.J., do you think that's accurate now? Have we moved past all of that? You know, I think there's secondary gender biases in every industry. And, you know, that essentially is it's embedded stereotypes and organizational practices that are generally set up by men that are applied to an entire organization that may or may not work for diverse talent. And unfortunately, sometimes it can really create barriers and separation and not feeling like you really belong. And so I don't necessarily feel that all of the press is related to intentional um, actions, that there's a lot of unintentional or unconscious biases happening that really creates this vortex (laughs) between women and men. And there's so many great books out there. I mean, there's a book of Barbara uh, Ennis has written of, you know, the eight differences between men and women at work. And it's eye opening about how women want to approach work and men want to approach work. Like women want to ask a lot of questions and really get as much detail as they can before they develop a plan. Men often just want to get started. And there's about eight of those. And I think really making yourself aware of how women and men work different in the workplace and then some of the overriding, you know, organizational practices that are either engaging or disengaging employees that are not like the people that created it. And I think some of that is a lot of that is happening, creating this press and and unfortunately creating a lot of barriers for women to succeed. God, that is such a, a, a great point. And I feel like I should read that book also just so I can understand my husband better. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I do a lot of industry work and I um, try to panel a lot of women. And I have noticed in general that when I put together, um, you know, I try to do it fairly gender balanced, that the women tend to ask a lot more questions, want a lot more specific detail and are more hesitant about speaking unless they have it than men. But the truth is they end up saying more and fleshing out their points deeper than a lot of the men who just jump on the panel are very brave or very, um, you know, charming on stage and all of that, but don't end up getting too deep. And so I, I've always noticed that. Um, and I know a lot of, uh, panel curators find women to just be a little bit more high maintenance when they panel. You know, you think that's all related to just how we function differently? I do. I really do. And I think that there are positives and negatives to both, but it really showcases why a mix of these people at the table can really alter the direction or enhance the offering to meet the needs of your customer base. And you, we were talking about this, and I think you you also talk about it in a lot of your writing. But um, you know, and this is true for anyone's career. But you know, how is how is important is it for women to really have a strategy for their career and pick the right projects and figure out how to move through it? Because um, certainly, when I was coming up in the business, I never thought about the next five years. Um, and when I talk to millennials and plurals, they always have a plan. So I'd love to hear your your sort of opinion if that kind of planning is a gender issue or if that's something we all should be doing. Well, I generally, when I talk to a lot of young professionals, I mean, your first 10 years, maybe eight years, eight to 10 years out of your first degree, uh, depending on whether you get a master's or not, you're really just trying to get a great experience, 
start to build your professional brand of delivering quality work and great results, and then aligning to people that will sponsor you, you know, whether it's just making connections for you or whether it's helping you get to that next level. And I think you really need to spend that first eight to 10 years just doing a fantastic job and really delivering on what you've committed to. I think as you get into your 30s and onto your 40s, it's a lot more about who you know and what projects you pick and how you align to what's important to the organization than it is every single task. And I speak with a lot of experienced women in tech of how to essentially craft uh, not only a plan but direct actions to position yourself for the areas you desire to excel in. And oftentimes that's a lot of activity beyond the actual work that's assigned to you. And there's been a great study uh, in the Harvard Business Review uh, back in their September 2013 issue called Women in the Workplace, a Research Roundup. And it's very eye-opening because it talks about the work and project assignments. And fortunately or unfortunately, the study goes on to show that men get more critical assignments that lead to more advancements than women do. And that's according to a research study they have by Catalyst, uh, where they study 1,600 business school graduates and they examine the nature of the projects given to high-impact employees. And the study goes on to talk about not only do they get critical assignments, but men's projects often have budgets that are twice as big and sometimes three times as big as their staffers and or as the women. And then it talks about just visibility and you know how much PL the PL responsibility often aligns to visibility. And so as I'm working um, with organizations on helping them create more thought diversity at each level, we start to look at project allocations and who do you assign strategic projects to? What's the PL alignment? How does that impact the dynamics of your team? How do you better engage high potential employees that may have diverse thoughts and opinions? And, you know, it's really not only is it the women looking for these projects, but it's the executives assigning these projects. And we really go back to that yin and yang of pulling women up and having women prepared to move up. And that's, uh, it's funny when you look at research, how, um, how, it enlightens everything, you know, like I can now go and quote uh, the research to, to prove the point. Right. Because um, I got into a thing with some colleagues about yet again, creating another um, all, uh, all male panel on a topic that a lot of women were, you were involved with. And it's just a simple thing of making that little extra effort so that you do open the opportunity door for the women, you right? So they can get more experience doing these different things. Um, is, is that a lot of what you're doing, you know, um, as part of your various initiatives, though, helping to open that door? I hope so. I hope so. I mean, first is just creating awareness. I mean, a lot of the research that I study and quote now was not research I was familiar with when I was inside of this you know, tech giant. Uh, some of the research I can completely relate to, it has happened to me directly. Others, it is indirectly, I have seen it happen to other people. Uh, I have been fortunate to have great sponsors and great mentors, many of which have been men in my career. But now seeing the research laid out in the way it is, and much of this is in this next book, it is eye-opening to me. 
And I wish I was equipped with it a lot earlier in my career so that I could be aware of it, so that I could make professional decisions based on the research, the group I was in, what I hoped to do next, whether or not I had sponsors, how um, how things were delivered, and how I could potentially even pick be better at aligning to the right work. Um, now, your new book, what's the title of it? Uh, the working title, uh, well, it's not actually final yet, but it'll be final in June, and I'm happy to share it with you then. We're not really set yet, and just from a copyright standpoint, I can't say the name because oh, okay. I need to keep it. <laughs> <laughs> but you're going to be addressing a lot of the research that you're talking about. A lot. A lot of the research that I wish I had known, you know, five, ten years ago. I'm in my mid-40s, so five, ten years ago, it would have been instrumental in understanding this research, and it would have probably helped me better align myself to the impact I was hoping to make when I was there. Now, you launched an organization called uh, Tech Savvy Women, and that's helping a lot of women across the country. What are, what are women, how are women engaging with, with Tech Savvy Women? Yeah, we started Tech Savvy Women in 2008 on LinkedIn, and uh, it started off with experienced women in tech, uh, and it has really continued down that path. Most of the women have been in tech or related industries or careers for over 10 years, and we talk a lot about advancement, retention, uh, intrapreneurship, innovation, and really giving women a safe place to talk, connect, communicate, uh, which is sometimes difficult to do when you're the only woman on the team, is having that external group you can go to. I think that is the number one complaint that I've heard about why women leave their high-powered tech jobs in Silicon Valley is that the culture is just so lonely, mm-hmm. you know, that they, uh, that they don't want to stay in it. Now, are you, are you raising any girls right now? Do you have any uh, young girls? I do. I do. I have... Um, I have a nine-year-old, almost 10-year-old daughter. And do you find yourself sort of uh, preparing her based on the things that you're learning and speaking about? Oh, sure. Yes. I definitely osmosis. But I also think, you know, your kids watch you. Your kids watch you. And I think that, you know, I take them to events with me. I take them to things happening around the community. I sign them up for different projects and programs. Uh, you know, I can't def- I can't shoehorn her into degrees I want her to be in, but just giving her exposure to things that are available. She's extremely talented um, from a color and um, graphical standpoint. Uh, and so we definitely talk about, you know, different things she can do. And, and we started a business together when she was, I think, seven called Journey Charms, which are inspirational charms uh, that now girl and STEM organizations are using to inspire their girls to stick with the program and create milestones for them that they can visually see. Oh my gosh, I, I am going to look into that for my kid. I'm always like, um, you know, uh, you could do anything that you want to do because at six years old, she's very much oriented towards uh, the boys do that, you know? And, and so it's, it's, um, I'm, I feel like I'm fighting an uphill climb right now. That's coming from just society, you know? Um, but a- anyway, um, when we come back to the tech cat show, we're going to finish up with JJ D Geronimo, who is a fantastic advocate um, for, I think all men and women, on how to navigate your career and and sort of where uh, technology can really lead to. So we're going to be back with JJ in a moment. More on the Tech Cat Show. (music) 
Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. And we're back talking with JJ about women in technology and STEAM and, uh, you know, how to empower our little girls. So my question is for you, you do so much and you really have that, uh, you know, deep background at a large company. So, so, and you're working with all these great brands. Uh, where do you go and what are you reading to, to keep up with everything? Well, I don't do it alone, first of all, and it's taken me years to really manifest the platform that I sit on now. And I have to say that, you know, I have, when I was in my corporate job, I found create multipliers. So when I created my women's group in 2008, I had a coworker that came to me in 2009 and said, we should do this inside of our corporation. And so we got executive buy-in and we created a women's group in the organization. And then we were able to reach customers and we were able to create uh, a conversation both inside and outside of work. And so finding multipliers that excite you and energize you, but allow you to sort of fishtail into some of the things you're already doing is super helpful. And, you know, I often get help along the way. I hire many resources uh, online. Uh, Elance is a go-to place for me where I hire a lot of great resources when I need them. I definitely know my shortcomings and I uh, hire people when it makes business sense. And I always really think about my time. Is it better for me to spend three hours on this or someone to spend one hour on this? And so resources are really important. And this is in your house too. I tell women all the time, if it doesn't make sense for you to be doing laundry, don't be doing laundry. I mean, I have hired my babysitter multiple times to do my laundry. She loves it because she makes money. I love it because I have to do the laundry. And the laundry time, the time back to me of what I can do during that time is super powerful. And so I'm constantly thinking about how can I outsource things that don't make sense for me to be doing, first and foremost. That is really great advice. I've actually been considering getting a virtual assistant rather than a live one. Um, I don't mean artificial intelligence. I just mean using one of those services. Have you ever done that? 
Yes, I have at different times, different, if I put on different programs or putting on different events, I definitely have hired help for different things. And I think word of mouth is great. Talk to other people that do what you do and say, hey, do you have a virtual assistant? Can you recommend any? I always try to find people that are ahead of me and ask them, like, what are their secret sauces? How do they get things done? Because I find that time is my biggest asset. And the more I can do the things that matter and that I'm naturally good at uh, and focus my time in those areas, the more more I can catapult in the direction I need to go. That's great. Uh, that, that's really great advice. What about um, any industry conferences that you make sure you're at every year that are must attends for you? You know, I am I I am easily excitable in the sense that I, you know, I have been very blessed to be able to go to a lot of conferences over these two decades I've been in tech. I've been to most of them at least once. Uh, really, now I really strive to get to as many women as possible, and I have been very fortunate to, you know, be at uh, some really interesting conferences. Just last fall, I was in South Dakota for a women's business conference. There, I'm, I was in um, the New Orleans area. I've been in Texas. I'm going to D.C. I mean, I really get to experience so many fantastic women around the country. And the one thing that I can't stress enough is for women to stretch. Uh, I meet so many fantastic women that have the aptitude and um and the ability to stretch in new directions, but they feel like they're not ready yet. And one of the researches that I constantly refer back to is an HP study is they were assessing why more women didn't apply for roles. And they did this great study and this great research, and they realized that women only apply for roles when they're 100% ready for the position, meaning they meet all the requirements in the job description. Men apply, guess, guess what's the number is, is when men apply. When they have no clue? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) When men have 60%. And so I talk a lot about women about not being 100% ready before they leap. Because, uh, you know, jumping is – Jumping before you're ready is part of the experience. And really, you know, women are taught early on to not let people down and only take it on when you can do it, the work, or when you can meet the deliverables. And unfortunately, this has stuck with us through our career. And a lot of women are afraid to apply when they're not 100% ready because they don't want to let anybody down. And so I spent a lot of time talking to women about stretching and pushing themselves in directions they're not ready because – It's easy for you to say no to yourself and say, oh, I'm not ready. I can't do it. But really, let other people tell you no. Let other people say, hey, we want you to work on this or we want you to do that. Because when you raise your hand and do new things, people will see, hey, she is interested. She does want to do more things. So it's being being jumping before you're ready is really important to me. And I also like to talk to women about self-efficacy. If women are not familiar with this, it's absolutely critical, especially in the tech world and other similar disciplines, is they've done all these studies around why women stay uh, compared to leaving. And a lot of it comes down to self-efficacy. And self-efficacy is essentially, uh, was studied uh, back in the early uh, 70s, was basically having a vision for where you want to go and the confidence you can get there. And women with self-efficacy often stay and excel in these industries. And the great thing about it is it can be learned. And so taking on risks and small challenges to build up the confidence that you can then stretch in bigger and um, bigger ways in the future. 
No, that's all really, really good stuff. What about, um, are there any newsletters, uh, publications, uh, blogs, tweets that you always refer to and read? Are you, some, you, know, are you someone like every morning that does my reading? So I, I love LinkedIn groups. I belong to uh, tons of LinkedIn groups, and I organize them by sort of initiatives that I'm working on. And I love them because there are so many – I get a feed every single morning from every LinkedIn group that I scroll through and look. And I keep a spreadsheet of all the articles that inspire me or that have information that I want to refer back to. And so I started this last January. I'm over – 500 rows right now of articles that have inspired me in one way or another. And so I try to keep track. I also uh, read STEM Connector, um, Million Dollar Mentors. I read that. I read uh, The Glass Hammer. So I just, and Huffington Post is big on my list and obviously Forbes. So I I do a lot of reading in my industry and um, a lot of my contacts now are writers for these or contributors. So I, I often read their things as well. Are you one of those people that um, sends a note to someone if you've read something they like? You know, they you like. Uh, sometimes I have a YouTube channel, TechSavvyWomen.tv, and if I really like it, I will ask to interview them on their topic. And so I have a whole queue of people. Um, so on TechSavvyWomen.tv, I interview some of the authors of these really fantastic articles. I've interviewed about 40 women in STEM and how they've gotten there and what they've done. There's about oh, there's over 100 videos on there uh, to encourage, inspire, and educate uh, women in the field. Oh, I love that. So, um, so YouTube Tech Savvy Women um, channel. And then what about on Twitter? Where can we find you? You can find me under my name, JJD Geronimo. And then also LinkedIn. Are you po- you're, you said that you, you, you post most of your articles there as well? I do. I do, do post a percentage there. And if you're going to be publishing any more articles, um, in, you, you constantly publish on, on your magazine, on that magazine, um, business, Smart Business. Smart Business. Great. So you have, you have your own platform, really, which I think you've mentioned a few times that it's very important for women and all people in business to sort of create a platform. And it sounds like you have a really nice um, – you've done a lot of nice scaffolding around how you get your message out. I have. And, you know, it's been it's taken me eight years to get here and, you know, support help from friends. I've hired resources to help me. Um, I've I've recorded articles on my iPhone and sent them to an editor to be written out for the days I couldn't just get in front of the computer. So I'm very resourceful uh, and recognize I can't do it alone. And I think for any woman sitting there today thinking, oh, my gosh, how could I do this? Start with things you like to do naturally and then build on those and engage people to help you and find ways to create relevance based on where you want to make an impact next. That is so insightful. Well, I can't thank you enough for joining the Tech Cat Show today. Um, you know, the the insights that you have uh, have shared with us are great. I love an episode where anyone listening will have a list of, of things to do. So um, you've given us a lot of, of great books to read and things to do and ways to learn from all of your experience. So we will look forward to to your your new book coming out this summer and um, tracking you on all of your different platforms. And it's just been fantastic to talk to the tech savvy woman, JJ DiGeronimo. Thanks so much, JJ. Thank you, Lori. I look forward to doing this again. And join us all next week on the Tech Cat Show.
Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.